I live in Israel. This season is dedicated to the memory of the 1,400 of my countrymen who were massacred on October 7th, and the 240 people that were kidnapped and are being held hostage by the terrorist organization Hamas. Hopefully they will be returned to their families as soon as possible, and hopefully this terrible war will be able to come to a peaceful end very soon. Welcome to Minute 5 of Season 6 of Move Around Minute, the daily podcast where we take a Capra-esque journey through the 1946 classic, It's a Wonderful Life, one minute at a time. I'm Rob, and joining me once again today in order to finish off week number one of this show is Jay Cluid of Life Versus Film and the Con Air Pod and Deep Blue Sea Pod. Welcome back, Jay. Thank you, Rob. Thank you for having me for the aquatic scene of the film. Was the uh, yes. scene. There's some water involved. Thrilled to be here. So, so you're going to tell us at the end of today's episode how deep and blue it is? I can tell you how blue it is now if you want. <laughs> Zero. <laughs> Are you saying it's a little uh, bluer tomorrow? Uh, well, no. It's, it's, the whole film is is, is is zero and depth. If I were to do, be doing the whole depth thing of the film, then we have this scene and you have the swimming pool scene. Would add a little bit of depth to it, but not a lot. So this is going to work out as being ground level the whole way through. That's true. <laughs> uh, easy to work out. Easy to okay. There you go. And I'm glad that I have an engineer around to to work these things out. <laughs> <laughs> this is accurate engineering I'm doing. Of how blue is this scene? I don't know. Twenty percent. Uh, Why not? <laughs> <laughs> so minute five begins with Joseph giving Clarence hope, and ends with George trying to save Harry. Yeah, peril so, in this scene, action scene. Yes, completely. So yesterday we ended things with uh, Joseph giving a Snyder remark by starting to say, if you ever get your wings, and then he continues by saying, you'll see all by yourself. And Clarence goes, oh, wonderful. <laughs> he, he really is simple-minded here. <laughs> he's From just that happy. perspective. Yeah, he's very yeah, happy. He's happy to be it's here. amazing, and it's wonderful. And, he, and then uh, the, the, the scene changes and, you know, things come into focus and we see six boys uh, standing on, uh, on a hill and they're cheering. And did you notice that they have these uh, strange, did they have symbols on their, uh, their caps? Skull and crossbones, yeah. That's right. They have skull and crossbones on there. I never noticed that before. And it's the pirates. It's, um, they could be. <laughs> you see, I thought it was more indicative of the fact that that there are, you know, a whole bunch of like societies in uh, universities and stuff like that 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 have like secret societies that uh, you know that they use skull and crossbones. So I'm thinking that okay, this is a secret society, George Bailey secret society. Yeah, could be, could be. I wasn't sure if it was that or some kind of like sports team, either like the Pittsburgh Pirates. It could have been something like that, but then you'd probably have that written because the hats, it's not just like a, they all have like a matching uh, patch on them. They are matching hats with the matching patch. That's right. Uh, so it's not like they just bought a bunch of patches and sewed them to things. Right. They're all the same. 
Right, but the, the question know. also is, is would you know, I mean, you, you brought up the example of baseball. You wouldn't be wearing these type of hats when you're playing baseball because it usually doesn't happen in the winter. No, but I don't know if there's like a hockey team called the Pirates or something. I don't know. I just, I just know that there was. I didn't know the Pittsburgh Pirates was a baseball team. Oh, okay. a team of some <laughs> sport called the Pittsburgh Pirates. I'm not a sport guy. Okay, now, neither am I, but I'm, I, I know <laughs> sports teams. Yeah, that's it. They, but, you know, in the last decade or so where they keep changing names, those are the ones that confuse me. You know, I know from when I was a kid what the names of the teams were. Stuff like that. Or well, they've become less racist. Um, okay. I, I don't think that they were, they were originally intended to be racist. I don't think that was the, the idea behind making names well, of, of teams. In, intention and impact are different things and both need to be appreciated. Okay. That, that I understand. <laughs> Correct. Um, okay. Do you know where the symbol of skull and crossbone originated? Oh, well, the skull is the bone inside your head. And uh, the crossbones are probably the arm bones, and I don't know. <laughs> and that isn't necessarily what I was referring to, but okay. <laughs> it originated in, originated in the late Middle Ages, and it was the symbol of death. Um, sure. it, especially used on tombstones. Um, in modern uses, it's uh, used as a hazard symbol, usually dealing with poison. Hint, hint for something that might happen in the next two weeks. I don't know. Uh, sometimes it's with deadly chemicals. Uh, it's largely associated with piracy. Uh, and <laughs> it, because it was used on Jolly Roger flags, and nowadays it's seen as being used for software piracy. Yes. Yeah. So that, it symbolizes death, especially on gravestones. Do you need to symbolize death on a gravestone? Is the gravestone not already a symbol of death? That's true. That's true. It shows that this person is not here because they are dead, and usually, you know. And if and if and if they bury them and they're not dead, then it's uh, bigger problems. Indeed. Yes. Yeah. They will. They will be soon. Yes. Unless we talk about zombies. That's right. But we're not. There are no. There are no zombies in uh, It's a Wonderful Life, as far as I know. Not there. You don't know. I you think that Mr. Potter, Mr. Potter is a, a zombie. I mean, uh, uh, Mr. Gower in the alternative universe, zombie adjacent at least. Uh, he's yeah, seen better days. Um, it could be. He's he's not drunk yet, so you know we'll, we'll have to wait and see how what happens with that. It's a not wonderful life for living dead. That's right. <laughs> That's great. So yeah, they're they're all cheering here, uh, mostly uh, George. He's, he's, he's cheering the most out of everybody. And he screams, oh, okay, boys, let's go. And, I mean, I love the way that we get our commentary here from Clarence and Joseph as the story is taking place in front of us. You know, like, you know and, and uh, George is, is using a, uh, uh, a megaphone, right? Now, are you familiar with these type yep. of megaphones? Uh, this looks like quite a basic one compared to what we have these days. Uh, well, obviously, they didn't, didn't have the technology active. back in 1940, 1909. I, yeah, true. Uh, I'll allow it. This is just, <laughs> you know, a, a Sorry, truncated, conical, 1990. truncated conical metal hollow, you know, out of the Do you know any other names for it? 
for a megaphone. Yes. A loudspeaker, loud hailer. Um, that'll do, I guess. Uh, a speaker trumpet, a bullhorn, or a blowhorn? Bullhorn. Should we go bullhorn? Yeah, I guess. So it's a acoustic horn used to amplify a person's voice or other sounds and directed in a given direction. The sound is introduced into a narrow end of the megaphone by holding it up to the face and speaking into it, and the sound waves radiate over the wide end. A megaphone increases the volume of sound by increasing the acoustic impedance seen by the vocal cords, matching the impedance of the vocal cords to the air so that more sound power is radiated. It also serves to direct the sound waves in the direction the horn is pointed. It somehow somewhat distorts the sound of the voice because the frequency response of the megaphone is greater at higher sound frequencies. So, I mean, I've always been amazed at the fact that, you know, I mean, you and I both have grown up by, you know, having electrical megaphones, you know, and, you know, the fact that, that someone thought of the idea of just making the shape, you know, of making like a horn and therefore you can talk through the horn and people will be able to hear you much better. So I, I just find it really cool and where you see it in, in either old movies or movies that take place, you know, in the 20s, 30s, 40s, something like that, where they would use them, you know, uh, they would use these these acoustic horns to, to, to do these things. So I just find it really cool. Yeah. You can do I don't, the same I don't thing know. Kind of I don't know who he's, your hand around it. That's right. I don't really know who he's trying to, you know, uh, you know, tell by by doing that because there's there's no one on the, the there's there's no one on the ice as he goes down, which is a little strange. He's just yelling, you know. That's just, right. He's just the thing he's playing with. That's right. And then Clarence says, "Hey, who's that? That's your problem, George Bailey, a boy. That's him when he was twelve back in 1919. So this is a nice roundabout way to explain to us how old George is in this movie." Because he was born in 1907, so therefore, you know, in this movie he's 38. At this scene, he's 12. That's correct. But in the movie, he's 38. So the, the movie takes place over a period of 26 years. That that was my point, Jay. Yep. <laughs> yes. And then Joseph says something happens here that you'll have to remember later on. Now, again, this is for us. This isn't for for Clarence, which I which which is a great way to tell us about this type of thing. You know, and we see he, he slides down the mountain uh, sitting on a shovel, which looks pretty painful, if if you were to ask me. I don't know how, uh, you know, how comfortable that, that would seem. Maybe I mean, I you, don't think they're doing it for comfort. <laughs> they do it for, they're not uh, doing it for comfort. Well, they're, they're, generation of... They're 12-year-olds. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they're 12-year-olds. <laughs> Harry's even younger. That's right. Harry's 10. That we find out later when, uh, you know, we find out that... Uh, that Harry died in 1919 at the age of 10. Yeah. So, yeah. You know, we hear someone scream back and say, come on, Marty. Let's go, Marty. boy, Marty. And then, uh, you know, the second boy slides down. And then uh, the boys continue to, to cheer and they go, hee-haw. Let's go, Sam. Hee-haw, Sammy. Here come And then, uh, you know, then the next boy comes down. And, again, I, I like the way that they're introducing us to – so people that will come uh, that we will come across throughout the course of the movie, you know, when they're when they get older, you know, Marty Marty is Mary's Mary's uh, older brother, and uh, Sam is uh, Sam Wainwright who uh, ends up becoming an entrepreneur, 
you know, yeah, through he the always does the, the, the moose antlers kind of thing. That's like right. He's doing here. The hee haw. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. And, uh, and then George uh, looks up and, and says, Here comes the scare baby, my kid brother, Harry Bailey. And you hear, I'm not scared. <laughs> yeah. And then, he, I mean, he's he's younger, he's lighter, but he's, which feels like he wouldn't be able to gain up the momentum. And go he goes further, he goes kids. further than any of the others. He plows through. Okay. George left his shovel on the ice when he hopped off. And then, it's, and then Harry plows through the shovel. What is George doing? You take, you take it with you. Well, I thought that the shovel was meant there to show them that that's the line where they couldn't go beyond. I think, well, maybe that's just like, this is how far I got. See if you can go further. Maybe it's like a mark in the sand. Can you like jump farther than this kind of thing? Did anyone, uh, did, all, did the others leave their, did any of the others leave no. their shovels there? But um, no, when George goes down, there's nothing on there. Then he leaves his. And when Harry goes down, there's these two other things that aren't shovels. Right, you see also the ice somehow. Right, and you see Marty and Sam both uh, holding their shovels on the side, maybe because they yeah, didn't these other cast. Things... Maybe what they didn't. Other they're, 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 I think. They're, they're, I mean, again, they're supposed to be markers that you're not supposed to go beyond, because because you might have some problems a little later on. I don't know. Yeah, who, who can say? I mean, That's right. Not like at the end of this minute, someone almost dies. That's right. Did you did you notice uh, there's a sign behind George when he's screaming? Uh, you can see it on second forty two when everyone's cheering uh, on I, Harry. Yes, I did see the sign. I didn't realize you could you could read it at one point. Uh, oh yeah, no 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 trespassing, uh, Henry Potter. That's right. So there's <laughs> another sign uh, to the left of that I couldn't make out. I had more text on it. Yeah. I'm guessing it's like, stay off of the ice. What are you doing? You die. Right. The the idea is, is that uh, you know that this is Potter's land that you're not supposed to be on. Yeah. And you know, basically, Harry keeps keeps going down, and you know, starts screaming to everybody. Uh, well, first everyone was saying, "Come on, Harry, let's go, Harry." Oh, come on, Harry, come on, Harry. Come on, Harry boy. Come on, Harry. And then he ends up in the thin ice and he goes, help, George. Help. Help. Don't worry, Harry. I'm coming. Help. Hang on, Harry. Help. And then George says, make a chain, gang. Make a chain, gang. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that is a different type of chain, gang, than than expected. <laughs> Yeah. So I decided to look up uh, some things about thin ice. Okay. <laughs> Come on. What, what? <laughs> Come on, Jay. You know me well enough that, that I would do things like this, don't you? I just I'm looking forward to seeing what you find out about thin ice. It, it it breaks quicker than thick ice. No, the point. Is, the first thing I want to talk about was is uh, what's basically the the largest problem of why people die. When they when they fall through thin ice, because they they uh, they get cold water shock. Yes, hypothermia. Yes, hypothermia. Um, once your your body is suddenly submerged in frigid water, so a natural response is triggered, and uh, the 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 shock can cause you to automatically guess for a breath of air. And when you're underwater, 
trying to get a breath of fresh air, you're going to be uh, swallowing water instead. So that that could, that could be a it's little. It's going to make you colder. Problem. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And then you, you get the people that, that go down and then can't find the hole they came up out of. Is another concern, right. I believe. Correct. Uh, that, that that's only if you're thinking of uh, cliffhanger. Always. Am. <laughs> Yes. So a, a, uh, in order to make sure that you're on safe ice, you should probably make sure that you have at least four inches of, of ice uh, before you want to skate or ice fish or something like that. Um, if you want to take a snowmobile onto an ice surface, you should make sure that it's at least five to seven inches thick. Uh, obviously, as you said earlier, thicker ice is always better. Sometimes the ice is covered by snow, which... Uh, it actually, if there's if there's too much snow on the ice, it it, it makes the uh, the ice weaker, and therefore there's there's yeah, more of a chance. Heavier. Yeah. That's right. There's more of a chance that uh, that if you stand on you know thick ice that has thick snow on it that still isn't thick enough, it can it can break. Uh, basically, physics. yeah, physics. That's right. Uh, always make sure that you you. you uh, uh, here, here's a few tips for someone who's, uh, you know, heading to, to stay on the ice. So the first is uh, uh, avoid cloud, avoid cloudy ice. You never can be sure about it. Instead, only step onto clear, thick ice. Never go alone. If you're heading out, use the buddy system. Have a friend nearby to help when you're faced with a potential tragedy. The problem is, is that you're both going to fall in, aren't you? Uh, sometimes they, they suggest that you wear a life jacket, which you never see anyone in movies, ice fishing or ice skating with a life jacket. And they, they probably would have really made fun of Harry if he was wearing a life jacket here. Yeah, well, that's, that's peer pressure. That's kids being idiots. I don't know. Yeah. Um, they say bring a cell phone, but if your cell phone's in your pocket and you're in the middle of the water, I don't know how good that's going to help you. Also, um, if your cell phone's in your pocket and it's 1919, it's also not going to help you. <laughs> that is definitely true. <laughs> and always pay attention to post-it signs. Uh, so if there's a sign saying "the nice," believe it. <laughs> well, no trespassing, property of Henry Potter. Potter. Did it go right. somewhere else? That's right. And they say here, uh, always be prepared, no matter what. It pays to have an emergency plan in place. Always keep a first aid kit and extra warm clothes in the case of trouble, which again will not help you once you fall into the water. I think Potter saw the kids doing this and then somehow made the ice thinner. He seems like the kind of guy who would like have some underwater heater developed. So, okay, this end of the of the of the lake, I'm gonna warm it up. Stay nice, thin ice over here. And I'll get that baby kid. This way, it'll save him having to try and get him. Uh, you know, twenty six, twenty eight years, twenty eight years later, or no, twenty. Yeah. What do we say? Twenty six years later. Uh, yeah, yeah. Twenty six. Twenty. No, it's twenty seven. Oh, 45, 26, right. All right. Right. So, yeah, it, it, it would have saved him. If, if he would have gotten a little bit of a hint from Clarence, you know, maybe maybe that would have helped. Um, that, I, I know that one of the original drafts of the story actually deals with Potter having to deal with, uh, you know, causing causing... Harry to die. They're under the ice. So, no, but it's 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 they were they were apparently like running away from his 
from from Potter. Right. Okay. So in one of the original uh, drafts of the film of of the the movie, so the boys were actually playing hockey on a river, which is on Potter's property, and Potter watches them uh, and he gets annoyed, and then uh, George shoots the puck, but it goes astray and breaks the no trespassing sign and lands in Potter's yard. Potter then becomes uh, irate, and uh, his gardener releases attack dogs, which cause the boys to flee. Harry then falls into the ice, and George saves him with the same results. So that would have given a little more action into the movie, wouldn't it? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and it would have shown. It would have shown even at that time that uh, you know how much of how much of an ass uh, Potter really is. <laughs> it, I, uh, yeah, I, I feel like Pot, Potter's villainy comes from his like business dealings. Which, I mean, we get he's not a nice guy, but it's mainly he just wants to make money. Uh, I feel I feel like that's enough to make him a villain. I don't think, feel like we need to have him. Yeah, I'm, I'm joking about him trying to kill the kids, but I'm, I don't think we need to have him actually killing the kids in this film. He's bad enough as it is already. That's right. That's right. Um, and then, uh, okay, so now I wanted to give you a little bit of uh, stats about, uh, you know, fatalities dealing with uh, people falling through the ice. Now, what I found was from yeah. the uh, uh, basically just the information that of things that happened in Minnesota, and and I actually found information from 1976 all the way to 2020. So um, the the year that had the most number of ice fatalities was in 1982, where there were 22 ice fatalities that that uh, you know during that winter, and the year with the least there are uh, three years that only two people uh, died. Oh, sorry, there are. Sorry, there in 2015-16 there were zero fatalities. That was uh, the year which uh, had had. I guess people were, were were the safest. Okay, now if you if you look through it, they have here a list of how every one of these people, uh, you know, what happened, and most of them. It just astounds me about the fact that most of these people are like in trucks or on snowmobiles and stuff like that. You know, I, I didn't check through to see how many of them, you know, are all of these. But, I mean, there's so many here on this list. It's like a 10-page list. And you have vehicle through ice, UTV through ice, um, snowmobile through ice, snowmobile into open water. I mean, it's just unbelievable the number of, of ways that, that people can die, you know, with thin ice in Minnesota. It makes sense that the ones that are in heavy vehicles, that's what's going to break the ice quicker. It could be. And then you have, here I found two that say uh, toboggan through ice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Here's, here's one end of someone who uh, fell through the ice in 2019. Uh, what's an OHV through ice? OHV. Heavy vehicle. Something heavy vehicle, heavy exactly. Vehicle. Overly heavy vehicle. I don't know. I mean, it could be. Yeah, just... Uh, hey, this, this is crazy. Yep. So, if, if you're in uh, Minnesota, stay away from ice during the winter months. Off-highway vehicle. Oh, there you go. Off-highway vehicle. 
a highway vehicle in in the ice. That makes any sense. motorized land vehicle predominantly used for recreational purposes on unimproved roads, trails, and other approved use areas not suitable for conventional two-wheel drive vehicular travel. Okay, or or uh, thin ice. <laughs> yeah, sure. Exactly. And then the last line of this minute is we hear Joseph uh, continue with his narration and it says, George saved his brother. And then he gets cut off. So people are going to have to come back on Monday to hear uh, what else Joseph has to say about that. So, Jay, did you have anything else you want to say about this minute? Uh, no, it's, it's a nice little scene. I look forward to hearing more about it. Uh, one, of the, one of the kids just, when they says former chain game, one of the kids. Uh, and I, I just watching kids try and run on the ice when they're wearing inappropriate footwear it would never not be funny. That's right. Uh, but just, again, in 1919, maybe that's all they had. I get it. I'm not, I'm not saying like, oh, they, they should have like spikes on their shoes. No, they, they're kids. They're wearing wellies. They're wearing boots. You know, they don't right. run on the ice. They're having fun. Okay. Yeah, All right, that is fair. So every Friday we have another new segment that I'm doing called Oscar Oops Friday. So uh, the debate it has been raging for for many years that you know this this movie, It's a Wonderful Life, uh, was nominated for Best Picture in 1946, and it uh, did not win. It, it uh, the the movie that won was what was it, Jay? Best Years of Our Lives. The Best Years of Our Lives, correct. So the the, the question has always remained, you know. And everyone who, you know, either you love the Oscars, you hate the Oscars, you enjoy the Oscar, it doesn't make a difference. You know, there, there's always controversy as to whether the winner was the true winner for Best Picture, whether they were a deserving winner or not. So what I decided to do was is because there, there are many people who say this movie should have been the best years of our lives, the, the debate will, will uh, remain open. And so therefore, I'm, I've asked my guests to give me their top five movies that they think uh, should have won Best Picture and did not win. Now, obviously, the, the only caveat here is it must be a movie that was actually nominated for Best Picture that year. So, for instance, Jay cannot say that he thinks that Deep Blue Sea should have won in 1999 or that Conair should have won in 1997. He can say that, but that won't fit within this, this, uh, this segment that we're doing today. Deep Blue Sea should have been nominated over Cider House Rules. I will say that. Okay. <laughs> okay. I, I I understand what you're saying about that. Uh, I personally, is there a I personally House love this podcast out there. No, there's not. That's true. That is true. Just because there's no podcast doesn't necessarily mean the movie isn't a good movie. I mean, come on. Is there a Shawshank podcast out there? No. I, I mean, is there a I've Saving Private? Who's planning one? Is there a Saving Private where I am one? Hmm, Jay. I've joked about it. <laughs> I joked about it. <laughs> I'm aware of that. Yeah. Jay, Jay has been listed as the person who's going to be doing one. So. Never should have been. Mm, Never right. should have been listed on there. There you so go. I thought it was clearly a joke. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. All right. So, Jay, why don't you give us your, your top five movies that you think should have won? And obviously tell us what movie did win that particular year. Unless you want to try and test me to see if I know. You can do that too. I do not. Uh, so well, this was because you think I don't know, uh, or you think that I do know. I. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure you know them. All. Um, we can play. So this was uh, a lot of research required for this, because uh, I, I did this before you sent out the link to make it easier. <laughs> I had already done uh, my prep for that. Um, 
it's quite a lot of years where I think the Oscars got it wrong. I've tried to narrow it down to uh, the years where I, I don't like the film that won or I like it less. So that's why I ha- I, I'm I'm fine with Best Years of Our Lives winning over It's Wonderful Life because they are both great films. So, but there are so many years where a not great film has won that shouldn't have even been nominated. And I had a little short list, but I've my top five. So number five, uh, film I think should have won is The Favourite. What did The Favourite beat, Rob? 2019, I believe. And uh, the winner that year was... You see, you're already, you're already stumping me on this one. <laughs> the, the most recent Oscars are the ones that I don't remember that well. 2019. Uh, nope, you got me on that one. I'm doing that. I beat Green Book. Okay. Green Book should not, should not have won. Uh, sorry, that was, I, that was 2018. That's right. Okay. No, I wouldn't have remembered it either way, but I'm just saying. Right. Yeah. Green Book, not, not a terribly memorable film. Not a terribly good film. Uh, it's, it's, it's not as, like... I think it's fine, but I really I'd love the favorite. Okay, I agree with you. I agree with you. I agree with you that the Green Book Green Book should not have won. Uh, the favorite is not necessarily the movie I would have chosen, but yeah, that's fine. The the favorite was was never gonna win, but I think it would have been such a such a great win for it because like Yorgos Lanthimos makes such odd films, and I would just love one of them to get that kind of recognition. <laughs> uh, so that's my number five. Number four, I had a coin flip. I had two films that I would have been happy for this one but I'm going to say I love Toy Story 3 a great deal but I'm, that's not a best picture winner I would have Inception winning this okay. that was 2010 that was the King's Speech that was the King's Speech again King's Speech fine but how many hoity toity British dramas do we need like, we don't need another one they're all the yeah it's, Inception is uh, just something new something different it's it's the best directed film that at number three, I had another coin flip, but I'm going to stick with Promising Young Woman as being the one I wanted to win that year. What a Promising Young, young Woman? Um, I, it was it was another movie that I hated. Um, <laughs> that was that was same. Yeah, that was one of the years where I didn't care for any of the movies. That's not true. You you cared for The Father, the other film that I think would have been uh, one that what should have won. I think we had a discussion about that being an excellent film. Uh, yes, I, I I'm a big fan of The Father. Um, yeah, I, I have that set. So, all right. So, what what what's the movie that won that year? Nomadland, a very bad film. Oh, Nomadland. Oh, I hated it. There you go. I, I was right I about that too. But before I went to see it, all, all I heard anyone say was like, "Oh, it's." I mean, the film's fine, but you're gonna. It's, it looks incredible, and I watched it, and I thought it looked terrible. <laughs> I thought it looked awful. Like somehow they'd made these beautiful American vistas look utter crap. Uh, so no, I hated Nomadland. Land and Promising Young Woman much better. The father also better. Uh, number two, uh, another toss, toss up. But I'm going to stick with uh, Fargo. That's the one I wanted to win. What did Fargo beat? No, The English Patient. Did I hate The English Patient? Very bad film. Do you really? Uh, you're, also, you're you're like uh, I, I really don't like it. It's a very boring film. You're you're Elaine Bennis? Uh Yes, sure. Uh, <laughs> you you don't get the reference. I do. I oh. actually didn't like English person from Seinfeld. Yeah. Yes. Uh, I would have also. Been, I would have been fine with Jerry Maguire winning that year as well because that's also an excellent film. Uh, but Fargo is. Yeah. And the the first one that immediately came to mind, no questions at all. Raiders of the Lost Ark should have a Best Picture Oscar. Who stole that Oscar for Raiders of the Lost Ark? Um, nineteen eighty one was. Yep. 
Uh, it was collected running in slow motion. Okay, there you go. Chariots of Fire. Thank you. Yeah, terrible, utterly awful film. Chariots of Fire, memorable for one scene, which, no, actually, no, memorable for the music of one scene. Uh, <laughs> and it, uh, uh, the entire film sets up there's going to be a foot race between these two people, but never happens. Because <laughs> that's what happened in real life. Great, don't make this film. I, I hate Chariots of Fire with such a passion. And the fact that it was even nominated, the fact that it wasn't like, it was in discussion for any kind of accolade, let alone it beats Raiders of the Lost Ark, a perfect film. It's like an unimpeachable classic. That's right. I'm, I'm actually glad that, that Reds didn't win that year because they, everyone thought that I, Reds was going to win. I have not seen Reds. I have seen Raiders of the Lost Ark. It is perfect. I've seen Chariots of Fire. It is awful. Uh, it's, yeah. I don't want a Scott and Crossbones in my gravestone. I want Red Blood was robbed. <laughs> okay. I, I definitely can agree with you on that. I actually thought that Shawshank would be on your, your list here. I don't hate Forrest Gump, is the thing. Mm. Uh, I, I, I prefer Shawshank. I prefer pop fiction. Uh, Shawshank is my top out of those three. But that was on my shortlist. Right. Uh, my, my shortlist had another like 13 films on it. Oh, wow. Okay. Like, I, it's like um, I don't I, I quite like Shakespeare in Love, so I prefer Saving Private Ryan. I should have won, but I I not uh, against Shakespeare in Love having won. Same with A Few Good Men versus Unforgiven. Yeah, Unforgiven's great. A Few Good Men I think is better. Right. Okay, that's that's definitely fair. So I should have won. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, until until we're able to to actually you know vote, so uh, you know we don't we don't really get I've a got, say. Yeah, you know, I've got the Green Mile winning over American Beauty. Uh, okay. I, I hate Out of Africa, so like anything else on that slate. So I think I've only seen Witness. So I think Witness should vote for Out of Africa. Witness I don't know about that. Witness, Witness is a great movie, but I don't know if it would, if I would say that it's better. It's just no. Eighty five was that's a, my vote for eighty five was not vote. a great year. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Right. Back to what you were saying from your first one, where you were talking about the favorite. So the the one that I would have chosen from that year was A Star Is Born. But I, I I liked that fine. But I didn't think that any of the movies that year were were spectacular. Any of the eight. I I think I agree. I can't remember what else was nominated. Green Book, A Star Is Born, Black Black Klansman, Black Panther, Bohemian Rhapsody, Roma, The Favorite, and Vice. Yeah, it's not a strong no. field. Uh, That's right. But of those, The Favorite is my favorite. So yeah. Okay. I, I wasn't that much of a fan of the favorite because I'm not a I'm I'm also not a fan of uh, of Yorgos uh, uh, Lathimos. 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 Yeah. Lathimos. I think he's a he's I think his films are fun. I I think his <laughs> films are, are, are completely crazy. Yeah. You know, okay. It's good to have something different now and then. Of course, that's very true. All right, great. So Jay, uh, do you want to once again tell people where they can find uh, Jay Cluett? Joe, one more time, you can find me over at Deep Blue Sea, the podcast, Deep Blue Sea Pod on all social media, uh, where we cover, we're currently covering Deep Blue Sea adjacent films. So that's films directed by Rennie Harlan, featuring aquatic action or sharks. Uh, so when this comes out, we may have finished our little mini series on the Pirates of the Caribbean franchise with uh, Nick Rehat coming on to help me with those. We're doing a bunch of Rennie Harlan films coming up soon. I, I almost did a dull bill of It's Wonderful Life and Exorcist of the Beginning. <laughs> 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 I should be recording soon. <laughs> um, and and there's always there's plenty of shark films on this. We'll be covering shark films at some point again. So deep we see on the podcast. 
with where you can find podcasts. All right. And while you're doing that, you can go rate, review, subscribe, many podcasts you might be listening to the show on. And finding me is very simple. Just do a quick search for Movie Rob Minute. You can find me on my website, moverobminute.com. You can find me on Facebook. And you can find me on X slash Twitter. So, Jay, thank you once again for joining me for this uh, inaugural week of another season. I had a lot of fun. Yep. Me too. And uh, I will be back on uh, Monday with a new guest. But until then, hot dog. Hot dog. I love you truly, truly, dear. Life with its sorrow, life with its tears. 